0: Well, are you sick of 2020 yet? Can I hear an amen? (laughs) All right, Robert. It's hard, right? It's depressing and confusing, and it's full of grieving and fear. My question that I always ask myself when I'm going through a very difficult time is, number one, God, what are you inviting me into? And the second question I ask myself is, God, what is it that you want me to learn from going through this? How do you want me to change? How do you want to transform me? And through this whole year of the pandemic, the election, the horrific hurricanes, storms and wildfires, I think we could all say tonight and ask ourselves these questions. God, what are you intending for us to learn. God, what are you inviting us to? And those are the questions that we're going to look at tonight. The Advent book that we are reading together as a church um, is based on the book of Luke. And Adam preached last week on we need to be encouraged. And this week we're going to focus on we need to be renewed we are familiar with john the baptist right i kind of think of john the baptist as being this kind of wild man um, you know he wore camel skins over himself in in instead of a coat and i thought it was interesting this little book has a great description of him i just want to read it very quickly to you it's from richard Rohr's book preparing for christmas is such a great description of who John the Baptist is. John the Baptist is the strangest combination of conviction and humility, morality and mysticism, radical prophecy and living in the present. This son of the priestly temple class does his own thing down by the riverside. He is a man born into privilege who dresses like a hippie. He is a superstar who is willing to let go of everything, creating his own water baptism and saying that what really matters is the baptism of spirit and fire. He is a living paradox, and even Jesus says of him, there is no greater man than John, but he is also the least in the new reality that I am bringing about. John the Baptist. But what we really want to look at tonight is John the Baptist and what he was all about, but also the time that he lived in. He lived in a very oppressed time. The world was falling apart, much like ours looks like it has this year. Things were out of control. And the verses that we look at today in Luke refer to the verses that were written Uh, and prophesy from Isaiah the prophet back in the Old Testament. God came down and said this, A voice shouting in the wilderness, Get ready a path for the Lord. Make the road straight for him. Every valley shall be filled in, and every mountain and hill shall be flattened. The twisted paths will be straightened out, and the rough roads smoothed off and all that lives shall see God's rescue. You see, he had purpose. God had given him purpose so that he would bring hope to the people who were living in those trying times. John the Baptist was sent during the time of fear and oppression. He was sent to announce the very coming of Jesus Christ as Jesus began his ministry on earth. To give hope to the people. When I think of John the Baptist, I kind of remember um, from the Lord's prayer. Thou anoint my head with oil, and my cup runneth over. And I think about John and think about he had all this purpose. He knew Jesus. He had grown up with Jesus. He was ready to get out there because his cup was overflowing. And I wonder if you have ever experience knowing someone whose joy is just bubbling over, who has that peace beyond understanding. Have you ever known anyone like that? And have you ever wondered where that came from? Well, that was John sent on the mission to prepare the way for Jesus to come and preach for the next three years. We might say that John was totally sold out to Christ. He knew him, and he knew his purpose. Nothing got in his way to prepare the people, warn the people, and give the most sincere opportunity for them to know the one of peace. We recount this year the countless ferocious fires in California and Utah, um, I think in Colorado and maybe some of the other states how devastating the fires were coming and we could not control them. And we saw images on our televisions about firemen and policemen who were going door to door banging on the doors. Wake up, wake up, you need to evacuate. You need to come out. And I kind of think that what that's what John the Baptist must have looked like. That's the kind of work that he was doing. Sid and I have been reading in our devotion time the book of Lamentations in the Old Testament. We don't hear a lot about Lamentations but it's a small little book that's nestled in between Jeremiah and Ezekiel. It only has five chapters and they are all poems. They read kind of like a eulogy at a funeral. This book is kind of like the book of Psalm where we see the writers in Psalm lament to God, to to talk to God about what's going on and to tell him how their enemies are winning, and lamenting to God over some tragedy, allowing God to hear our tears and our grief and know our despair. The first verses of Lamentations reads like this. Now, remember, the writer is writing after the fall of Jerusalem. And so he has watched Jerusalem fall, and now he's saying, How lonely it sets, the city that was full of people. How like a widow she has become. She who was great among the nations, she weeps bitterly in the night with tears on her cheek. Friends, as I read this, I couldn't help but think about America. Following these verses, the writer goes on, whom they think is Jeremiah. Um, He goes on to write about how terrible the world is, what the state of events are. It's a very depressing picture of Israel and her people. Think about this last year, 2020. Someone recently posted on Facebook that they did not want to turn the clocks forward this year because they did not want one more hour of 2020. If we look in Lamentations chapter 5, the writer begins this way. Remember us, O Lord, what has befallen us. And then he goes on to list out the number of things that are going wrong. And as I read that and thought about it, I felt led to write my own chapter of Lamentations. It goes something like this. Let me share it with you. Remember us, O Lord, what has befallen us. See what has happened to us in 2020. Our normal routines have been uprooted. Our dining tables have been reduced to only us with no one else invited. Schools are now screens. Teachers are viewed in a one-inch square on the computer. The loss of lives is something that we have never seen in our lifetime, and it's still rising. The needed supplies that we purchased at ease before have now become scarce and expensive. Not sure who to believe, because everyone is called a liar. A simple mask now divides our nation into our political positions. We didn't ask for this, God. Our children are so affected, our seniors did not get to experience the cherished graduation ceremonies. Soccer games were canceled, band trips canceled, hanging out with friends is no more. Weddings have been called off and family gatherings, we look to our past and we ask this question, who have we become? And this poem that I just wrote down a few minutes could go on and on and on, right? And it's heartbreaking. But if we look back at lamentations, we see that it does not leave us in that lament. It takes us beyond the lament. That God comes to his people time and time again. For example, in chapter 5, 20, run restore us to yourself, O Lord, that we may be restored. Renew our days as old. If you look in Lamentations 3, 22 to 26, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him and to the soul who seeks him. It is good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Go back to this first verse that said the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will hope in him. Do we find ourselves hopeful during this COVID season? Through the horrific time of COVID? Are you hopeful? Are you hopeful when we have experienced the most divisive election known to the US? Are you hopeful even though your candidate did not win? It's hard, right? But God is working when we cannot see him. Let me repeat that. But God is working even though we cannot see him. Do you believe it? Everything the Bible teaches is about hope that only Jesus Christ can come and bring. The next verse in Lamentations was, the Lord is good to those who wait on him. And oh, how hard it is for us to wait in America, right? We want it now. And yet scriptures say to wait on the Lord. During this time of Advent, which which means the coming, we are waiting in anticipation for the baby boy to be born. Christians in the 4th or 5th century began celebrating the coming of the Christ child, just as Mary did. We wait for the full coming of God's reign on earth and for the return of Christ to this earth, looking forward to what God will do. Recently, we found out that David and Sarah, our kids in Kansas, are expecting their second child. Whoop it up! And, this doesn't fit, but I'll tell you, it's gonna be a baby girl, woo! So May is going to be an exciting month for our family. But as Sarah upwaits the the upcoming child, she realizes that it's not a passive wait, it is an active wait. It involves preparation, exercise, nutrition, care, prayer, work. And that's before the labor begins, right? And once the labor gets here, the birth involves pain, blood, tears, joy, release, and finally, community. Likewise, we are waiting in anticipation. We are in a world pregnant with hope, and we live in the expectation of the coming of God's kingdom on earth. As we wait, we also work, cry, and we ache. We must pay attention as Christians, realizing that the spiritual battle is at work. We must prepare ourselves, and we must be ready. And how do we do that when we get tired and overwhelmed, and we have corona fatigue and 2020 fatigue? Lamentations tells us that we need to renew ourselves involving hope, waiting, and seeking. Let's spend some time now talking about how we reset that clock, renewing ourselves to the God we know and we love. What is it to understand about God's redemptive plan for all peoples of the world? Let me give you an example of someone who missed the mark. Years ago, our daughter, Misty, was seven years old, and being raised in the church all of her life, she came in one day, it was not uncommon, for a seven-year-old to want to become a Christian. And Sid and I really wanted her to understand what she was doing. And so we called up one of the pastors at our church, he was a very good friend of ours, we all called him Daddy Sides. And we we asked him to come over and just talk to Misty about the basics. And so he did. One day he came by, he picked Misty up, and he took her to get ice cream. And on the way there and the way back, they talked about what it is to be a Christian. And so she made her decision. She was baptized sometime later. The whole time, David... Our five-year-old was listening to all of this. And as we sat around the, the dining room table at night, we would discuss all of this. And so he was listening with one ear, but he was five years old. A few weeks later, I was driving David and his best friend, Harry, to soccer practice. And they were in the back seat, and I was listening to their conversation. It went something like this. David, Harry are you a Christian? Harry, I don't know. I don't think so. David, did you know that if you are not a Christian, you will die and go to hell? Harry, I don't want to go to hell. How, how do I become a Christian? David, well, you just have to call Daddy Sides at the church He will come and pick you up and take you to get ice cream, and then you'll be a Christian. (laughs) This is probably not a good way to evangelize, right? It's not a good fit for witnessing. But what does real witnessing look like? John the Baptist was so passionate about announcing Jesus, people listened to him because they were drawn to his passion. They trusted him, and they knew him. Is that what it looks like with us today? Are we so in love with Jesus that we can't help but talk about him and live our lives in such a way that other people are drawn to us and they become curious about where that passion comes from? How do you carry that peace and love and joy and hope? Are we so in love with Jesus that we see through his eyes and not our own? jesus based everything on the love of his father he trusted his father for the future of hope peace love and joy are we able to do that or do our lives mirror our culture we don't intend for it to but over the course of time we have allowed our society to dominate our time rob us our joy, take over our love and our money, and we find ourselves in a lukewarm Christianity. What does it look like to see through the lens of God himself? I want to share a story with you. It shows, it tells about someone who knew God in such a rich and deep place that he was able to lay down his life in effort to witness to others. A Baptist minister named John Harper was on board the Titanic when it sank in the Atlantic Ocean in April of 1912. He had a seat on the lifeboat along with his sister and his six-year-old daughter, but he gave it up so that he could stay on the sinking ship to preach to its doomed passengers. He even gave his life jacket to to one of the other passengers, and that person miraculously survived the disaster. Reverend Harper continued sharing the gospel on the ship as it sank, and then sharing it with those in the freezing water with him before he died. His daughter, Annie Jessie, went on to become the longest-living Scottish Titanic survivor. John Harper knew God, right? He didn't stop. He knew his purpose. He knew his mission. He was so deep with God that he was able to give up his life for the sake of others becoming to know Christ. I want to give you another example of Christians in the time of crisis. This week, a lady posted on Facebook about her experience with cancer, and it's a group text for women who have had breast cancer or have it presently, and this is what she wrote. I was diagnosed with stage four inflammatory breast cancer in 2018, and it had surfaced in my lungs liver, and multiple bones. But I had the most amazing peace even at my biopsy. I kind of figured out that it was going to be cancer, but I did not know that it had spread to other parts of my body. I had six rounds of chemo. Following that, I had a double mastectomy and 23 lymph nodes were clear. I had 33 rounds of radiation to make sure that everything was gone. That was in 2018. Three weeks ago, I found out that the cancer is back and active in my lung, in my chest, and a large area in my hip. God prepared me ahead of time. I have had the opportunity to share how God has given me peace to others around me. I've just finished four of ten rounds of radiation to my hip, and I know God is going to be faithful again. You see, this lady is in such a deep, rich relationship with God. She gets it. She gets it. How important it is for us to go deeper than we are right now. Friends, this Advent season is a time of renewal, a time to refocus on the God we love, a time to evaluate where we are in our spiritual life, a time to ask the hard questions to ourselves. Where is God in my life? Have I given him my everything, my all? What keeps me from holding back? And I think sometimes that when we ask him that last question, we already know what it is that we're holding back. Recently, I found the Billy Graham channel on Sirius Radio. It's uh, 460, I think. And I've been listening to his sermons whenever I get in the car and drive around. And he was just an amazing person, right? I mean, God used him to witness to hundreds of thousands and thousands of people. And I think about his life, I'm drawn to his personal life with Jesus. Here's a man who spent his entire life studying God, following Jesus, and influencing others to become Christians. And he never was involved in the scandal. I began thinking about how great it would be if we all could be that close to God. And then it dawned on me. I realized that all of us have the same unique opportunity to have the same closeness with God. He is not the only one who is allowed to experience this special relationship with God. No, we are all privileged to know God to the same level that Billy Graham knew him. We just don't take advantage of it. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. He forgives your iniquity. He heals your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good, so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. We need to be renewed. And the following question is how it's my belief that now is a great time during this advent season to examine our own rhythm of life what i mean by rhythm of life is what is our routine How, how do we do life daily we need to ask god to reveal to us in areas that do not mirror Jesus Christ. Look at your prayer life. Have a good old question-answer session with God. What have I done in my life that does not glorify you, God? What is it that you want me to change? Admit your fears and ask for his help. Ask God to heal you where you need healing. Stay in the Scriptures. Read the stories of Jesus in the Advent book that we're reading before Christmas. Not only read them, but think about them, process them, talk to other people about them. You see, our Bibles are not meant to be dust collectors, but it's the revelation of God himself. It is one way to know more about the Father, the Son. And the Holy Spirit. Practice the fruit of the spirit. You know the, the verse from Galatians 5:22. "Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control. Practice those things, but start with your spouse. and then the ones living in your home. And then take that outside to your extended family and to your friends and to your community and to the world outside of our doors. Connect with other Christians about matters that really count. Ask questions and share your heart with another, someone that you trust with spiritual matters. And then write down what you've learned Seek out these Christians that you admire and have conversations with them about the things that really matter in our lives. Be in community with other believers. It's not cool to go to church these days, have you noticed? And we're in the minority who do, but we need the church today more than we have ever needed it before. I want to leave you with this scripture. We've talked a lot, and I hope that, that you go home with some of the truths that God has left in your mind when you leave here, Isaiah 40, 28, and 31. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. He will not grow weary and tired, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. Would you bow with me? Father God, we find ourselves in this Advent season waiting for your coming as a baby, but also when you come back to earth the second time. And we look to you for hope, peace, joy, and love. Lord God, we are tired and weary of 2020. We read your writings in the Bible. We study the life of John the Baptist, the life of John Harper and the lady with breast cancer, and we crave to know more. Create in us a new heart, O God. Help us to go deeper in our knowledge and our love of you. Deeper still. Deeper still. Renew us. In the mighty name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.